Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana, he's manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. What week is it? It's Bloomington week for you and me. It is Hoosier Fan Fest. Hoosier Fantasy Experience Week. And you and I have been talking about getting really excited, but it didn't hit me until I woke up this morning. And I was like, oh, we're going to Bloomington in just a few days. Well, and for me, since I have to go back early for a couple days early for the Peru Olympics, I have to pack today. I'm leaving ass early tomorrow morning. So I can either choose to dread how early I have to get up tomorrow morning or be excited that that awful beginning to Monday morning will result in two fun days with my high school buddies and then a whole bunch of fun days with thousands of Hoosiers, including you, later this week. couple big announcements for it. Number one. Calbert Cheney, who we spoke to not last, uh, oh yeah, last week. Yeah. Calbert Cheney will be there for the entire fantasy weekend. He will be playing in the golf tournament. He will be attending the social events. He will be at the fantasy camp. Calbert Cheney will be there. If you are a fan of Indiana basketball, you get to be around Calbert Cheney. You may be able to take a picture with him, get an autograph, just tell him you love him, fawn over him. Calbert Cheney will be there. If Calbert Cheney likes us, doesn't mind us, thinks we're fine right now. By the end of this weekend, he will never want to see me again. I will not leave that man's side. If you want to see Calbert Cheney, you're going to have to get through me. <laughs> he will definitely disown us after this weekend, but we will always have this weekend. Yeah, yeah. We yep. will always have it. And another major announcement for the golf outing. Guess who's playing in the golf outing? Uh, Besides Calbert Cheney. Um, uh, uh, Walt Bellamy. No, I'll give you some clues. We have had this gentleman on twice. Okay. He is an absolute bona fide legend. He is one of one. Oh, boy. There's a few of those. Um on twice i mean that's a key clue rather than connect i'll give you the easiest clue okay he is connected to both iu basketball and iu football <gasps> antoine randall l no that would have been a good one but i think antoine's busy with football season starting the nfl it's true yeah all right who we got who's showing up fish 
No way! We got fish! Oh! Yes. yes. That is The excellent. voice. The voice of Indiana athletics. The legend. The man himself, Don Fisher, will be participating in the Hoosier Fantasy Golf Outing I on bet Friday morning. I bet his handicap is pretty stellar. Yeah, I mean, this dude is just a stud. I imagine him, even though it's midsummer, I imagine him walking in with a leather bomber jacket and <laughs> aviators, you know, and like he just, it says Maverick across. Like, I just feel like he's he's Tom, Tom Cruise and Top Gun. You're sitting there talking with somebody else and you feel like a warm stick of butter has just been shoved into your ear and you realize you're listening to Don Fisher talk in real wow. life. Yeah, I didn't know where that metaphor was going, and I wasn't sure where the warm stick of butter was being shoved, but I'm glad it went in the ear. So listen, it all culminates with the Fan Fest on Saturday night. The doors open at 7.30, I'm sorry, the doors open at 6.30, the event begins at 7.30, from 6.30 to 7.30, autographs and picks with not just the men's team, but the women's team will be there as well. Then the fan fest, shooting competitions, scrimmage, interactive activities, fans getting to be part of the show. And then afterwards, a another autograph session. We're going to try to get as many people autographs and picks as we can. We'll have multiple stations set up. It is going to be a blast, and tickets are still available. HoosierFantasyExperience.com. Click on FanFest. Get your tickets. It, it's just the kickoff to the Indiana basketball season a couple months early. It has become part of the calendar, and we couldn't be more excited about it. And look. If you're one of our loyal undergrad listeners, grab your friends. Come on down. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if they show the ID, they get in for free? Yes, we're going to get students in for free. Yeah, this is this is the beginning of the school year, right? Uh, IU, the most fun school on earth. Uh, everybody's moving in this week. It's go time. And there's no better way to start off your Indiana school year, or if you're a freshman, your Indiana career than getting yourself into Assembly Hall and starting to figure out your job, which is getting into Assembly Hall and cheering your face off for these teams that are going to delight you with many victories this upcoming season. It's your first chance to see Mackenzie Mbako. It's your first chance to see Groot, Khalil Ware. Seven foot eight, 15 foot wingspan. It's your first chance to see how big Peyton Sparks really is. And your first chance to see Anthony Walker and coming up with our guest today i think it's going to be tantalizing what our guest today has to say about anthony walker yeah and also our guest today instrumental in bringing gabe cups to town and we're going to see him going head to head with x uh and that's going to be really fun because we're going to rely on young gabe when x needs a breather and by all reports there's there's going to be a really good floor general out there even when x needs to uh have some gatorade the reports that we've gotten from Woody, from Calbert, about Trey Galloway's progression, the first healthy offseason that Trey Galloway has truly had since high school. And he gets, we get to see him for the first time, see his progression. Malik Renew made waves on the internet with the, the perfect Cliff Marshall before <laughs> and after. Bad lighting in the before, don't flex. Eat a loaf of bread before we take the pictures. <laughs> look sad. <laughs> look real sad. And now for the after, good lighting, flex your ass off. Let's get a pump in beforehand and see what that looks like. But he looks like a beast. It's just going to be a blast. 
look, the Hoosier Fan Fest is a celebration of Indiana basketball. That's what it is. It is what we have thought NIL can be from the beginning, where it benefits the team, but it benefits the community as well. And for a very modest investment, there's tickets from $5 all the way up to a VIP experience, which I want to get into in a second, for $999. You're contributing to IU Basketball NIL. But it means so much more than the money. These players love connecting to the fans. It's an amazing experience. And let me just talk. We have just, I think, like four tickets left on the 999 VIP experience. Here's what you get with that. First off, you get the best seats in the house. There are special courtside bench seats next to the players that you get to watch the entire fan fest from. That's first. Second, you get to get into the doors early. You get in at 6 p.m. instead of 6.30 p.m., where there will only be a handful of people there to go grab autographs right away from your favorite Hoosiers, men and women. You also get to participate in the FanFest. You'll be rebounding for the team. You'll. Th this is just an amazing VIP experience. I know it's pricey, but we wanted to provide an opportunity all the way across the gamut from $5 to get in, and there's still really good seats available for $5, all the way up to this crazy experience. And again, you're contributing to IU Basketball NIL. We're really appreciative of everybody who's bought tickets, but there are still a few of those left. And none of this, Ward, would be possible. None of it. If we weren't... Powered by... CommunityCars.com Sponsor of the pod CommunityCars.com the birthday boy, Evan Martin, getting it done for the Hoosier hysterics for, frankly, IU Athletics. Him and his family for a long time have been so supportive of all the programs, in particular basketball. And this man had a birthday, and I told him for his birthday – we are going to give him the gift of laughter and we're going to show up in Bloomington and we're going to play basketball just to make him laugh. Uh, I think it was the big five Oh for Evan. So congrats on reaching 50. God, doesn't look a day over 40 that one. No, but 50, what a big one for him. Anyway, happy birthday to Evan community cars. If you're going to get a car, just don't be a jackass. Get your car from community cars. By the way, if you're in town for the fan fest, if you're in town for the fantasy camp, the golf outing, afterwards head on over to community cars pick up a new car take it home just make sure you say i know you have so many wonderful cars just don't give me the car that ward and eric have been driving around for at least a month so it has time to air out <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's hoosier fan fest again hoosier fantasy experience.com maybe ward for the video can put up a little link here Sure. Still times uh, or a little uh, graphic. I shouldn't say link because we don't have that kind of technology. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, yes. I'll make a but, note so I don't forget about the extra work you just gave me. Yes, I did. Who's your <laughs> fantasy experience.com. All right. There was a piece of breaking news over the weekend that I do want to talk about. Okay. And this will hopefully be the last time we talk about it. Okay. Flurry Badunga. <sighs> yeah, I know. He committed to Kansas. So there's been a lot of controversy about this recruitment. The story has been a roller coaster and a lot of question marks around why Indiana was not part of the final group. Why couldn't we get him? Why couldn't we even get traction? Wasn't he supposed to go to Duke? All this kind of stuff. 
And I thought, and I put it out on some of the message boards that I would say what I know about this recruitment and this story from the beginning. So I'm not going to name names, but I'm going to give what I have been told as the story of this recruitment. As we know, Flory came from the Congo to Kokomo, Indiana, as part of Mark Adams's uh, program that he does. I don't know if it's still called A Hope. I think it is. But Mark Adams helped arrange to get Flory Badunga from the Congo to Kokomo, Indiana, where he set him up with a host family. And he then, of course, was part of the Indiana Elite AAU program, which Mark Adams is part of running, and went to Kokomo High School. This recruitment actually goes back so far. It's funny because the first person from Indiana to see him was Dane Fife. Like that, that was the first person who, who actually saw him and was like, yeah, this kid's pretty good. There was a lot of talk early on that he was going to go to Cincinnati. There were a lot of connections between Mark Adams, Drew his Adams, son his Drew. son was coaching at Cincinnati. But I think what honestly happened there is I don't think anybody expected Florida to go from kind of relative unknown to top five player in the country. And when that happened, it opened the floodgates for bigger schools to come in. And Cincinnati took a backseat to those when, when places like Duke and Kansas and Indiana and, and Michigan and Auburn get involved. These are heavy hitter coaches, heavy hitter recruiters. Indiana tried to get involved, uh, you know, fairly early on. And when they did have their first visit with him, and I think it was an in-person visit or an in, in quote unquote in home. It didn't go well. I mean, it did not go well. Indiana didn't make the best impression and they didn't, they didn't, I shouldn't say they didn't make a best impression. They didn't connect for whatever reason. They just didn't connect. So Indiana took a back seat on that. Quick question. Yeah. Did a bathroom have anything to do with that going wrong? I have not heard the bathroom having anything to do with it. Thank God. Had to ask. No upper deckers. Good. So good. Indiana still kept recruiting him hard, but I do want to just set the stage here. You have Flory's biological family living in the Congo. You have people in the Congo who helped make the connection or were part of the connection with Mark Adams. You had Mark Adams and a hope you had his Kokomo high school coach. You had a host family. You had multiple people involved and then bring in the heaviest of heavy hitters in the recruiting world on the college basketball landscape. And there are just a ton of people with different interests involved in this recruitment. So as that recruitment progressed, he was recruited heavily by Michigan. Juwan Howard made a good impression. Bruce Pearl was all about it and got really into it. And as we know, Bruce Pearl is a beast on the recruiting trail and filthy. really good at it. Filthy. Yeah, of course. Totally filthy. <laughs> that that doesn't then, mean anything anymore, by the way. Exactly. And then Duke started. Duke came in late, very late. But Flory loved Duke and Flory told people that Duke was his dream school. And it was kind of common knowledge that if Duke offered and said they wanted him, they could have gotten him. But Shire kind of dipped his toe in the recruiting and didn't go all in and actually didn't even offer him a scholarship right away, said that he needed him to visit before because Shire, and I respect this, is like, I'm not going to make an offer to a kid that I've never met. I need to meet him. So that that burning fire of recruiting um, of the recruiting blaze that was blowing towards Duke 
kind of cooled as the visit got set up and then there was time in between that. And then he went on the visit and Duke stubbed its toe. Duke stubbed its toe in that recruitment. All the while, Kansas pursuing hard, Michigan pursuing hard, Auburn put it, pushing hard. And I should also say this about Auburn. Before Duke, Auburn stubbed their toe in the recruitment. And when I say stubbed their toe, in both cases, Auburn and Duke, and again, I won't name names, what I've been told is both tried to go to a certain um, faction that was involved in this recruitment, as I kind of laid out all the different factions. They went to a faction that at the time, Flory did not like. Mm. And those differing factions throughout the progression of this recruitment had varying levels of influence. And it honestly changed. The people that had a lot of influence at the beginning were not the people that had a lot of influence in the middle. And the people in the middle who had a lot of influence turned out maybe not to be the people that had a lot of influence at the end. And Duke and Auburn both stubbed their toe by trying to involve people that at the time that they were doing it did not have the right influence. And that set them back. And that really opened the door for Kansas. And we know Bill Self is a relentless recruiter with an incredible NIL program and a history of getting guys into the NBA. And he told them that he could be like Joel Embiid, which is like a good argument to make. And he's won national championships. And he's a marquee coach and a marquee program. Indiana, truthfully, was never able to really get back to being the number one school. There was never the deep connection with Flory or or, or the the main people involved. And it's what happens. I mean, it just did it just didn't click on this one. It pisses me off, of course, but I want Derek Queen. I want Derek Queen. Uh, th- th- that's what the conversation was when the gentleman, Bart, hey, Bart, how you doing, came up to me at the parade during Circus City Days and was all disappointed about Flory. And I was actually surprised because I had so moved on in my mind to Derek, not only because there was much more mutual interest, but I think by all reports, he's going to be the better player in college. And um, so while it, it took me back to of, oh, yeah, even if he came in from the Congo recently, he's still a super highly recruited, uh, rated recruit playing high school basketball in Indiana. And people still really want to land those. But it made me realize my mentality had shifted with the programs, with the staff of like, no, we're, we're, we're a nationally recruiting program now and we're doing it at a very high level. And I actually think we have this guy over here who's going to be a better college player by, you know, there's been no question about Derek's motor and his uh, desire to play hard every time up and down the floor. And just everything he's been doing this summer sounds like he's often the most dominant player on the court. So I just completely moved on from Flory months ago. But even you bringing this up now, and I, I saw all the hubbub on the boards, but since we were never really in contention as decision time came up, I was just like, oh, yeah, that guy. Forgot about him. But it's easier to forget about him out here in California, if I was in Peru, Indiana, 20 minutes from where Flory was playing, I would probably have been much more wrapped up in it. Yeah. And look, I think that uh, I have never seen Flory play outside of highlights. The reports are he's just a freak. I mean, he's an athletic freak, but he's not a six foot 11 athletic freak. He's like a six foot eight, six foot nine freak. And he does, while his skill has developed from a skill level, 
I don't think there's any doubt that Derek Queen is considered just light years beyond him right now from a skill level. And I like skill. I like good basketball. And I just think in, in college, especially in college, where it's so easy to pack the lane. I mean, you see what like we do to Zach Eady, yeah. you know, and things like that. Like it it's harder for an athletic freak to just take over a college game. It's why so many athletic freaks do better when they get to the NBA than they do in college, because it's just a different game. There's not as much space scheming by coaches, double teaming, triple teaming when you don't have to worry about four other guys on the court. It's a different thing. Give me the skill every time. And no doubt all of these factions around Flory, it's all about how quickly can you get drafted? How high can you get drafted? And you know, look, it, it would be great to see how far could Coach Woodson and the staff bring him along if he was in Bloomington for a year. Obviously, we saw what they did with Jalen, and they can they can bring kids along pretty quickly, a different position, obviously. But I feel like a kid like that is just like, where where can I go to improve my draft stock? And I don't know Flory or anything about him really, that kid and what his priorities are. But when you have that many factions around you, it's not about like, the focus isn't where can you go to college and be a great college player. It's like, where is the stopping point that will launch you into the NBA draft as quickly and as high as possible. And for a guy who's more raw than say Derek is, you've got to, um, you've got to figure, Oh, let's, let's get the guy who's been playing longer at a higher level. And however long we might have him in Bloomington, he's going to be more effective from day one. Yeah, I, I, I truly hope so. Oh, look, let's get him first. Let's get him first. I know, I know. Um, well, I'll be, I'll be going crazy if we don't, because as we all know, these twenty twenty fours, it's narrowed down. It's three guys, and then a handful of guys in the tier after that. Um, and we, as a, a collective fan base, saying, okay, we need Liam, we need Derek, we need Boogie, and then we're going to be amazing. But as soon as we don't get one or maybe two of those guys, we start pulling our hair out and be like, oh, my God, what? we're doomed. We're doomed. Who's going to come in next year? But right now, all those guys are still on the table. There's mutual interest. And as far as I'm concerned, we're definitely getting all three of them. <laughs> well, look, a big weekend's coming up. Besides the Hoosier Fantasy Experience weekend, the weekend of September 8th to the 10th, Liam and Derek are taking an official visit together, senior year official visit. And they're that is as big of a weekend for Indiana basketball as can be in the recruiting world. Yeah. And we really want them to be looking at footage between now and then of thousands of Indiana fans showing up to watch a scrimmage and to get autographs so they know how dedicated we are, not just with our pocketbooks, but with our presence to support them from from day one of the school year. Yes, but on the pocketbook thing, I also want 11 or 12 other Indiana basketball players telling Derek and Liam, hey, the first weekend you get on campus, you walk away with a really good check. Yeah. The first weekend. And all you have to do is hang out and meet people that love being around you. That's what you have to do and get to play bas uh, play basketball with them, coach them, have fun, interact with fans. Like it is a huge deal. It, it is even more uh, to the point of how important the Hoosier fantasy experience is. And we'll talk to our guest a little bit about that later on. So that is, that's kind of all I want to say about the, the Flory stuff. And I also see a lot of 
this is going to make a lot of people mad. I see a lot of messages that are like, well, I wish him nothing but the best of luck. I do not. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I don't care. I don't care. I don't want anything bad to happen to him, but yeah. I don't care if he's good. I don't. I, he's like every other player that goes to a school that is competing with us in some way. Yeah. I hope he doesn't play well. Like, I mean, I do. I hope Kansas sucks because of him. I hope he fails and Kansas sucks. That's what I hope. I agree completely. Yeah. All I right. want I want him to get to the NBA and make uh, generational wealth for him and his family. Uh, but if he plays against the Pacers, I'll be rooting against him. If he's on the Pacers, I'll be a big fan. But otherwise, I'm, you know, I'm I'm largely indifferent. Yeah, I am petty. I realize that I'm petty and immature when it comes to this. But I don't care if I ever see him play basketball again. Again, I don't want anything bad to happen to him. But I don't care if he makes it to the NBA and becomes a star. In the end, that's really good for Kansas. And I don't want really good things <coughs> for Kansas. So, no, I don't. I hope he goes and fails. And then I hope he has a miserable time and realizes he should have gone to Bloomington. That's what I re That's what I hope. So I realize that's not a good look. It's not a mature look. <laughs> but that's why we're the Hoosier hysterics. So never, Ward, never, never a good look with the Hoosier hysterics. You said you had a couple things you wanted to talk about. I do. I do. Um, do first of all, with our incredible time spent last week with Calvert Chaney, I saw a couple things on the message boards about how people cringed when uh, he said himself and he was talking about Mackenzie asking questions and referred to him as Coach Cal. I want to say it didn't even register to me that there was another Coach Cal because now there is not. There is only one Coach Cal. I love him uh, till my dying day. That's Calbert Chaney. He's a coach, uh, director of player development, but he's on the court coaching our players. He's Coach Cal. Uh, there is no others. There's the dirtbag from Kentucky. There's the uh, snake oil salesman from Lexington. Uh, coach Cal now resides in Bloomington. So let's just get that on the record. Um, I, I'm totally with you. In fact, it did occur to me, but I like it. I want to own it. Yeah, no. I want to it's ours now. It's ours, it's ours now. now. It's yeah. ours now. Yeah. Um now I thought something interesting that came up it was sent over a text chain with my fraternity brothers that artificial intelligence I'm assuming somebody asked them this uh to rank the 10 best IU athletes of all time. Wow, interesting. Do you yes. want me do you have it in front of you? I do. I do. Can I take a can I take a guess? Yes, yes. This is I mean, any any sport at Indiana University of all time. Okay, let me ask a couple questions. Sure. Did it do a good job of knowing all the other sports at Indiana? Like in looking at the list, do you feel like other sports are represented? Um so Somewhat. I mean, I okay. will say it's definitely disproportional to basketball. But right, well, let me of... ask this. Okay. Mark Spitz should be on the list. He is, is Mark on Spitz list. on the list? Okay. He is. What what number is he? Guess. Seven. Three. Wow. Okay. Okay. Antoine I mean, Randall L. That, my friend, is is what made this list invalid to me. He's not even in the top 10? He's he's not in the top 10, and you're going to love. Uh, well, let's save number 10 for number 10. Okay. Well, Calbert Chaney is on the list. Calbert Chaney is on the list. He is in at number nine. Nine? Okay. Well, 
I guess what is difficult here is I don't know, like Mark Spitz being three to me implies that they looked at post Indiana career and Calbert being ninth means that they devalued IU's career and maybe looked at the post career. So for example, I'll say George McGinnis. George McGinnis comes in at number five. Okay. All right. So, so I'm getting so, a little bit of a sense here. Yeah. So we've got right Spitz, we've got McGinnis, we've got Calbert. Isaiah's right. got to be top three. Number one. Okay. Yeah. They're okay. So, but, but it's, I mean, you're onto something here, but it's definitely not airtight. Okay. Um, I bet Victor Oladipo is on the list. Number six. Interesting. Okay. Um, is Scott May on the list? He is not. Yeah. See, this is a weird list. It is, is a weird, weird list. All right. There's... I'm going to say Lily King. Lily King. There, There is no Lily King. Interesting. Um, I will. I'm trying to think who else. Okay. There's. I'll give you this hint. There's there's a baseball player. One. Kyle Schwarber. Correct. Number eight. Yeah, they, they really are valuing, it seems, post-IU career. Mostly, but there's a couple people you're not going to get on here. Is uh, Harris Muyazinovich on the list? He is not. I think he was an uh, honorable mention. No, no, he's not. You know, it's interesting. Um, you said Victor was what number? He is number six. Is Cody on the list? He is not. Okay. Um, is Are there other football players on the list? Yes, there are. I'll say it like this. There's there's one and a third football player on the list. Is Adewale Agunlie on the list? He is not. I'll, I'll give you this hint. This man is number two, and it's much as much for what he did off the field. Bill Garrett? No, but you're on the right path. Just think football. I'm blanking. George Talaferro. George Talaferro. Okay. Number two. Number two. Sure. Sure. Talaferro. That makes sense. I mean, again, their their um, criteria, criteria are, is, is a strange one. Let All right. So we've got Isaiah one, Talaferro two. Yep. And three, you said, was Spitz. Correct. Four is... Absolute legend, and you're not going to guess it based on what we've learned about artificial intelligence so far. Walt Bellamy. No, 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 no. Much less athletic. Basketball player. Don Schlunt? Number 10. Yes! <laughs> Although I like that he's right behind Calvert, so Brian yeah, Evans will be happy yeah. with that. You hear that, Brian Evans? Um, um, all right, fill in the rest so that we don't bore the audience here. Okay, so number four is Steve Alford. Interesting. Okay, sure. Right? Yeah. Legend. And then coming in at number seven, I have to Wait, admit, wait, who's number five? Who's number five? Oh, McGinnis. Oh, uh, McGinnis. Six is? Uh, Victor. Seven is? Uh, a name. I Maybe I'm ashamed and we'll get beat up on the boards afterwards if you haven't heard of this person either. Number seven is Zora G. Clevinger, Clevinger, in parentheses, football, basketball, and baseball, apparently a three-sport athlete who later became IU's athletic director. 
Wow. Like, so when did Zora play in like the thirties? Well, I could look it up real quick. The forties. Um, Zora. Yeah. Levinger. Can we get Zora on the podcast? Uh, he was born in 1881, so yeah, I don't sure. think he's with us anymore. No, no. It would be our first 140-year-old on the podcast. College Football Hall of Fame as a player in 1968, he was inducted. Wow, he was five foot seven, 145-pound left halfback on the Indiana Hoosiers football team from 1900 to 1903. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then, all right, so that's number seven. Number eight? Oh, um, yeah, I think we covered. Hold on, let me go back. Uh, where'd you go, guys? Oh, here it is. Um, number eight is Kyle Schwarber. Number nine is Calbert Cheney, and number, number 10, ten is Don Schlunt. Don Torture Chamber Schlunt. You know, I gotta say, it's like the the Zora one is the most interesting one to me. Uh, but look, their list isn't any worse than what we come up with. <laughs> Well, you know, it, I think it's a great conversation starter and um, seeing the reign of Zora, maybe we won't get beat up too bad because I didn't realize we were going to go back that far. Um, but I, I think it's fun. But I just immediately Antoine Randall L popped out to me because of the pure athleticism. Like that dude was such a freak athlete that I was like, oh, OK, so this isn't just about measurables. Well, look, first of all, Anthony Thompson could be on that list, too. I mean, he was a he should have been the Heisman winner. But Antoine Randall could have easily been a Heisman winner. And he played basketball and he played very well in the NFL and won a Super Bowl. Yes. Like that. I, I don't know how you keep him off the list. And with all due respect to Zora. From an athletic standpoint, I am betting that Antoine Randall just had more athletic ability than Zora. The Probably. legend, the legend of Zora. <laughs> um, all right. So that's that. Hey, c- come on to pigs.com. Jump on to Twitter. Let us know what you feel about. You mean jump on to X? Nope. Nope. Oh, nope. Not going to do it. Um, I'm sure I'll get there eventually. Uh, sure. Just a couple more quick things. One, uh, finish the bear season two. Uh, have you finished it? Have you seen yep. it? Um. What in the holy hell is with the hero worship of Coach K? Makes me want to puke every time they talk about him. They show the book. They they show the picture of him. You are in Chicago, Illinois, and you you could go with Coach Phil Jackson and do your city proud. Legendary player and coach reigned over the greatest reign in coach uh, in sports history in Chicago with Michael Jordan and the Bulls, the Zen master. And you go with that dickhead coach K out of Duke. That is sickening to me and really took away the enjoyment from the show overall. I am totally with you. I love the show, but hated that. And to be honest with you, I blocked it out. Like I I watched the show now a couple months ago. So I blocked out that part because Richie, is one of my favorite characters of all time. Fantastic. He's fantastic. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, though. That is an abomination, an absolute mistake, just a flat-out mistake. So the other thing I was going to bring up, but it is now, as we know, we we had this conversation a couple of days ago with today's guest, and so this came up. But just to build the suspense, just to get people a little nervous, 
is that now that the Big Ten is the Big 40, and we've taken in schools from all across the globe, there is some concern about who is the all-time leading scorer in Big Ten men's basketball history. And when I realized that there could now be potentially a debate about that, I dove into the numbers. Didn't take long. Took about 20 seconds. And so, obviously, the, the, the result is revealed what? in this conversation. Yes. Okay. You're not going to spoil it. Here. No, no. I just like myself getting really nervous with this realization. Now I want to make the audience anxious as, as they have to listen to this conversation and wait for the results of, of Daryl's research. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not bringing yeah. Daryl in. I'm not yeah, bringing good. him in. He I'm has the day off. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling for playing basketball at the fantasy camp? What I, is your current physical state? I am in good physical shape. I've been, you know, getting in some four, four and a half mile runs. I've been lifting some weights. Um, my various alleys, uh, let's say chronic alleys around my body are are being maintained as far as basketball skill, which I never really had, has only gotten worse by the by the mere fact I haven't really touched a basketball since last fantasy camp. So I'm here to set picks uh, and uh, take charges just like you, my friend. Yep. I Well, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot because I want to make a shot. I want to make a shot. I did not make a three last year. I would like to make one three in a game on Assembly Hall's court. That would make me happy. But I have not shot a basket since last August. I have not. Not one shot, Ward. At least you had like a high school career uh, of some shots and some sure. practices that you still have the muscle memory. For me, is I'd love to make a three-pointer. I'd love to make a layup. I'd love to hit a free throw. But I have to calculate the, the much more likely outcome of me missing any attempted shot and, and the hu humiliation that comes with that compared to the reward of actually making one where oh, there's just a small percentage chance I will make a shot and the glory that would come with that compared to how badly it will look when I miss it horrifically. I have a plan. There is an extremely high likelihood, I would say certainty, that we will not be on the same team because we suck and thus we will be the last two people taken in the draft. Yeah, nobody's going to get stuck with both of us. Although, I guess if it's like a snake draft, does the team at the end have two picks? And if so, that's the only way it could happen. But I don't <laughs> think that's how it goes. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, there's no way that would work. So, if when we play against each other, is as long as the game is not in the balance, as, yeah. as long as one of our teams is killing the other one or just out of reach, get the ball at the three-point line, and shoot it, and I will foul you. <laughs> I will foul you. By the way, I will foul you hard. Look, there will I, be no mistake. I might get kicked out of the game, but give you three free throws, and who knows, you might make the three. There's as much of a chance of you making a three getting fouled as there is with you making a three not getting a fouled. Let's be honest. 
absolutely. You might help. Just And then just I'll give you three free throws. Don't do what you did last year and almost take my head off. Like yeah, I that, saw that was an accident. That was a t- and they didn't call foul, by the way. They did not. They did not. Like I literally saw stars running down the court. Yeah, that was an accident. That was payback for the football takedown. Anyway, um isn't that a good plan though? Yeah. You want me to do the same for you? No. Okay. No, I don't want to I don't want to get touched. Honestly, um, I would rather I would rather you just get out of my way somewhere down on the block so I could have an open layup. But you'll never get an open layup because it gets so crowded down there. Somebody else on my team will play defense. Three-pointer, three free throws, that's how we do it. You honestly think if you and I are somewhere down around the block that somebody's going to come over to help? If I just leave you. If no, I but, just leave you, but if you, if you, if you, if you say what happened to accidentally fall down while you're guarding me on the block. Yeah. But by the way, there's a high likelihood I will fall down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So nobody from your team will call you out. Cause that's just you being clumsy. Don't break anything, but then I could get that layup up in time before somebody comes over to recover. I think it's, there's a lot of other variables involved here. You'd have to hope. First of all, you're assuming that somebody would throw you the ball down by the block. Well, if they see you on me and they heard this podcast, they might be cool with it. They might. They might. All right. Well, we'll we'll work out the finer details. But I remember when I was in high school, our head coach, our head coach would not call practice until there was a charge taken. And so I would go to like the biggest guy on the team and I'd be like, listen, dude, just run into me. Okay, next time down, let's just end this practice. I'll take the charge. And Mike Black was his name more often than not. And he would just bowl me over. And that was it. And coach got wise to it after about the sixth time. Yeah, yeah. But but that's how we ended practice many times. So that's all we're doing here. You were like, and Mike, don't worry. Whatever happens with the butthole happens with the butthole. That sure. That's what I said to Mike. (laughs) Um, I will tell you, uh, as you know, I've been running but I've only been running. I have been lifting weights a little bit and doing calisthenics, but yesterday or two days ago, I was on the treadmill and I've been running regularly, just trying to get in some kind of shape for this. Yeah. And I was feeling pretty good at the run. And then at the last minute of the run, my foot Mm. where I broke it started hurting. (sighs) It is the first time that it has hurt in the area where it broke. I have other foot problems due to the uh, break, but this is the first time. And literally I'm in my head running going, this is good. I'm going to be able to do this. I'm, Oh my God, it's hurting where I broke it. It happened just two days ago, Did but I'm not doing any cortisone, not doing preventative cortisone shots this year, Ward. The knees are fine. Oh, that's good. Well, maybe, maybe because you had to go easy for a while on all things and they kind of recovered. And losing a bunch of weight and taking that stress off the knees probably helps. Sure, sure. So all to say that you and I are going to suck, but it's going to be fun as hell. We can't wait to see the guys that are there. And I'm just really excited for the weekend. We got little Zagreb's on Wednesday night. Oh, you got the reservations already? Yeah. Come on. Zagreb's on Wednesday night. No carbs, though. No carb. I'm not doing the rolls. I mean, look, though, as far as having load, we got a carb load, the little carb load the night before. I still got plenty from the last 45 years. Okay, fair enough. I've been carb loading since I was born. (laughs) Believe me, I've got enough in store. All right. Let's continue our summer series of talking to current Hoosiers 
on uh, on the basketball team or on the basketball staff. This uh, rounds out the coaching staff and really fun conversation and really insightful stuff. We have the coolest coaching staff in America. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, he's back with us today. The man with the best hair in the Indiana Hoosier men's basketball program. We'll be talking about that later. Eric, I'm sorry to bring up that sensitive subject with you right away. Who are we talking with here today? And I think Jordy Hulls might have a little bit to say about that. I thought about that, and we will bring that up with with Jordy when he comes on the show. We might get a little debate going. Hailing from Moon Township, Pennsylvania, where he averaged 19.7 points, 7.6 assists, 7.6 rebounds, 2.5 assists as a senior. He was the Gatorade Player of the Year in Pennsylvania. By the way, we've done this intro before, but I don't care. Some of these are just <laughs> worth going back to. He played for Xavier. Yeah, it was a long time ago. He is really old now. He played for <laughs> Xavier back in 2008 to 2010, went to back-to-back Sweet 16s, transferred to Akron. He was a two-time academic All-Mac which is what they say about people who can't play. But that, yeah. no, I, I don't want to get into that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding because he did lead the Mac in three-point percentage at 44.2% in league play. He was the captain of the team as the senior, 2013 conference champs, made the NCAA tournament, got his degree in business administration, a master's degree in sports administration, went to Dayton, uh, where he, of course, hooked up with former Indiana head coach, Archie Miller spent three years at Dayton, was the director of basketball operations and grad assistant for two years, made three straight NCAA tournaments there, got his master's degree in educational leadership. And then, of course, came with Archie and team to Indiana, where he spent four years as director of basketball operations, one year as team and recruiting coordinator. And then, of course, when Mike Woodson came to town, spent one year on the staff before moving up to the big time assistant coach last season. He is now entering his second season as assistant coach. But the most important thing that's happened is one month ago today. Oh, good. He became a father for the second time, which probably means he has not slept since July 11th, July 11th. <laughs> his wife, his beautiful wife, Jessica, gave birth to their second child, Mac Walsh. We are here with the one and only Brian Walsh. Wow, heck of an introduction, man. Appreciate it. And you're right. I had to really like last night was such a poor night of sleep. Sure. That I like was a little upset waking up this morning. So like I had to I had to get my mind right for the day. Yeah. Well, let's get into being a dad for the second time. You know, they say by, by naming, I mean, clearly. Mackenzie is doing incredible work there in Bloomington already. If you name your second child after him. Well, let me give you a little quick background on the name Mackie, because I've got a lot. I got hit on it a lot. And I'm sure you guys are going to probably make fun of me as well. My wife's maiden name is Mackie. So it was Jessica Mackie and her brother had four girls. So I wanted to pay, you know, a little respect to the to the family name. So Mackie Andrew. So we're going to call him Mac, M-A-C. Andrew's my middle name. So that's the story behind Mackie has nothing to do with that. That stinky gym up north. <laughs> well, not only that, but you've got Mackenzie Holmes at Indiana. You've got Mackenzie and Baco at Indiana. Both go by Mac. Yep. Your child's going to go by Mac, I assume. How, you know, they say having one child is one, having two is 10, 
And then just as you incrementally add on, then it's three goes back to three. What is it like the first month of having two? Um, it's, it's been great. It's been challenging. Um, no question about that, but we've had a ton of help. Um, Jess's parents came out and stayed with us for the first three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then my nice. parents just left. They were here for a week. So we had multiple hands helping us kind of get our feet on the ground. And it happens to be probably one of the slowest times of the year right? in a dead period. Um, so it's it's been good. At the end of July, Jordy was able to jump on the road and sub me out um, for a couple of those events, which was great. But yeah, this this no sleep thing is I'm looking forward to him getting a little bit older. The, in, the new infant, you know, it's okay. I'm not a huge like lover of the new brand new infant. I like them when they're, <laughs> they can sit and like not fall over and, you know, they're, they're a little now, bit more independent. How, how old is your daughter? She, uh, on the ninth was 17 months. So she's about a year and a half. Got it. But yeah. she can't talk or verbalize. So there's a lot of crying in the house, um, which I'm still learning how to you know, manage the patients. My, my, God bless my wife. She's much better than me. Well, and, and for your parents and the in-laws to be in helping, you guys had a real zone defense going, but oh, now it's back to man on man. Now, it's, now, it's... now you got one each. Uh, is that something when, when you're going off to work, is there anybody to help Jess or is she just kind of look at you with sad, tired eyes and you're like, well, see you later. No, we we got help. We have a daycare that we take Isla to Great. Uh, twice or three times a week, which is really, really helpful. Um, the other two days, you know, she's kind of on her own a little bit. But, you know, this is she's been fortunate because she stopped working at the end of July, you know, to be a full time mom, which is a blessing. Awesome. So super happy that she can do that. But I've already apologized because once August 21st hit, it's going to be a blur for for a while. So. I, I like the idea that perhaps for the first time, someone was truly happy to come do our podcast because you just got out of the crying house. You're probably like, Jess, oh. I got to do this. I, I It's an obligation. I got to get out of the house to go do this. Sorry, I can't believe I have to. <laughs> no, man, it's it's all good. I spent uh, yesterday was our, our uh, fourth anniversary. So I spent a day with them. And, um, you know, I love being on here. The kids are great, but you're right. Having a little break here and there is, is not a bad thing. <laughs> well, what's what's really admirable is you are on the coaching staff of the greatest college basketball program in the country. You're now a father again. You don't get much sleep, but the hair, the hair just still looks great. How do you do this? Please tell me what product do you use? And do you cut that yourself or you got a you got a person? All right, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Reeve Andrews at Bent, right down on the square, downtown Bloomington. He's been cutting my hair for seven years. I don't know what I'm going to do if, if he were to leave, if I were to leave. Don't want it to ever happen. But uh, now he takes good care of me. And I go, uh, you know, with Yah and Kenya going about once a week. Yeah, yeah I move mine up a little bit. So I'm about every three and a half weeks. But wow. talk about hair. I mean, Ward, Please. what kind of product are you using? Um, it's crew the hair isn't even thinking of moving. It's the crew fiber. It's, you know, just got a little gloss to it. It's pretty matte. <laughs> it's pretty matte. <laughs> hey, Eric, you got a nice shine, man. You look good. Mm-hmm. You, look good. Yep. you got Calbert, money, Woody, <laughs> a lot of respect. It's a good yeah, look. There's, there's a lot of bald. Although I would argue that Woody 
spends as much time on the goatee as you guys do on the hair. That goatee doesn't have an a speck of gray in it. No. Never. And it is always trimmed just right. I mean, he must have like a stencil that he puts over it. That <laughs> thing is tight. He he goes in that in his back little locker room. He comes out and we're like, whoa, that thing is perfect every day. It's unbelievable. Uh, that's great. All right. Well, now let's get to some important stuff. So you, you mentioned August 21st is when shit hits the fan. You are in a bit of the calm before the storm as yep. it were, with college basketball calendar, not your personal life, as we've already gone over. Um, so what is it that you're doing right now to prepare? Do, do you, are you able to just totally shut down? Or no. are you preparing for the season? Are you watching film? What's, where are you in recruiting right now? Because it is a dead period. What happens in recruiting? Just give us a sense of what happens during this kind of slower time. Yeah. And when I say slow, it means we're not physically somewhere else and there's not someone physically here. Everything else is kind of normal. Um, you know, we're still working. You're still recruiting, calling, texting. Um, this time of year, you're really getting in touch with all their programs, uh, coaches and getting their fall schedules. Because once September 9th hits, you got to be, you know, organized and know where you're going, who you're prioritizing, who you're seeing first you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a few guys that, that stayed um, here on campus to, to get better and it's all voluntary, um, you know, so we can, we're able to spend time with them, um, you know, all voluntary on the floor and in the weight room and taking them to lunch and just, you know, spending quality time with those guys, which has been great. Um, and then you're lining up visits and trying to really, these 24s, this is going to be their final push come September when these visits start with the home football games. And um, so you're really gearing up, getting organized more than anything uh, as as August ends and September starts, while at the same time, you know, can, recruiting never stops. I mean, you guys know that. It's every day, um, phone calls, texts, Zooms, wh whatever it may be. And, you know, with this portal, you never know. I mean, there's, there's probably 15 to 25 high major programs that are, you know, overseas doing their foreign tour. And all it takes is one guy to say, you know what? I didn't like my experience. I didn't, I'm not in the rotation where I thought I was going to be. And if they're a one-time transfer, they can jet, or if they're a grad transfer, they can jet. So you always got to kind of be in the know. And, you know, you always got, you know, things in the fire that we're constantly looking at, evaluating, talking amongst the staff. Um, cause we're not just going to bring anybody in. It's, it's not how we're, you know, we're operating. You, you, we're speaking of organization and right now how you're operating, you have a unique position. You were here before coach Woodson came in. Um, and then you and Kenya have been a part of this transition into the new era. We're now going into year three. And I think we're in such an instant gratification age, particularly with the portal, everybody like, oh, we, you should know exactly what you're doing from day one. Let's go, guys. Um, but can you talk just about how you've seen the transformation of Coach Woodson coming in, um, assembling the staff, retaining staff, promoting star members of the staff along the way? 
is do you feel like going into year three now you guys have got it dialed in you know how you work as a team what coach and coach woodson wants how you get it to him or is that is that just still evolving no i think we're much more dialed in as far as what we're looking for as a staff when it comes to recruiting but there's so much fluidity in the portal and recruiting that so much changes so fast but as far as how we're kind of operating in-house, what we're looking for, skills, characteristics, type of people. Um, listen, we're recruiting at a really high level and being able to get in on some guys. And that only happens with the with, with Coach Woodson and his experiences and where he's been. I mean, look at our staff. There's 132 years of NBA experience within the building with Coach, with Money, with Calvert coming back. You have Jordy overseas experience. You have... Coach uh, Whitman, you have Jim Todd, like you have Kenny and Yah and myself who've been in a college game a lot. You have like a really good matrix of selling points that has really allowed us to get in on some guys. And just, I mean, I can't speak highly enough about Coach Woodson, who he is as a person, but like as as good as he is as a person and funny and down to earth and humble, I mean, that guy's, he's unbelievable when it comes to the basketball side of things, not on one side of the ball, on both, which is not normal, you know, most of the time. I I want to get into uh, more about a portal conversation because you brought that up and I, I want to ask a more detailed question about that. But before I do, you brought up the kind of players that you're looking for. You're more dialed in on, on probably what, you know, coach Woody will respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we had him on the podcast recently, he talked a little bit about the type of player that they're looking for. If you could break down two or three things that kind of jump off the film or the page as you're looking at, at recruits, what are those things that you feel like every player needs to have if they're going to come to Indiana? And I don't necessarily just mean skill-wise or size-wise or anything like that could be personality, whatever yeah. it may be. What are the two to three things that are like must have check the box before you really recruit them? Well, I'm glad you talked about that second half because we talk about getting the best players in America that are also good people. Because, you know, we don't want to bring guys in that are going to be headaches and, you know, cause issues outside the floor. This is a big responsibility to play at Indiana with the spotlight always on you. So that that part is is crucial to the back end of, making sure the characteristics physically, athletically, skill-wise. But to answer your question, um, you know, you, you got to know how to play. There's, there's super talented guys that are out there. They don't know how to play, you know, and that could be when they play, it's the simple advance pass or it's a, they draw two and don't pass to the corner. They dribble in the traffic and charge. Like there's playing the right way and knowing how to play because Woody's used to the best of the best in the NBA. So, so that is one thing that is crucial. Um, you know, physically, he's really looking for like an athletic, long, rangy, which really plays into our defensive uh, schemes with switching and, and filling different spots on the floor. Um, and then skill, you know, dribble, pass, and shoot with an emphasis on shooting, um, you know, which, you know, we've been doing this a long time and you guys have been fans for a long time and that always seems to be one reoccurring thing especially with how the game is evolving right now with you look around there's not so many eds right or traces there's more so 
the Penn States of the world, Shrewsbury, the slip outs, the ghost screens, the spread the floor, four out, one in. Um, so I would say those are probably the main characteristics, but we can't overemphasize enough. You got you to gotta be a good, good person. You got to have good people around you because it only takes one person in their ear that screws them up and then they screw up the locker room and then you got a mess on your hands. Well, having spoken to almost all of the guys on the team this summer, it is remarkable the character of young men you guys have brought in and maintained. And it's, I would say the the greatest thing you can say about what you all have done is just the, the personalities of those guys, the maturity, the humor, uh, the work ethic. Um, I wonder in the recruiting process, you're talking about guys who know how to play the game. And if there's somebody who's less experienced, maybe hasn't had the coaching or talent around them, will you then kind of look at, okay, yeah, they don't quite get it, but we think they can if they come into our program? Or do they just need to have a je ne sais quoi? Like they just get how to play the game and you guys can look out. It. Look Big out. Word. High Big culture. Word High culture. I know, I'm, <laughs> that, I speak German very well. That's German, yeah. right? No, By the way, no, we I mean, listen. Culture. He did, Ward, Ward did ask a recent guest to do his best Scottish accent, you know, the kind that they speak in Dublin. He did Ooh. do that recently. Don't ask me that. Don't ask me that. That was that was a good question. Um, can you know, can you change them? Can you? At can the end of the day, we the get game? paid to make them better. So, yeah. like that is our job is to take what we think they can be, right, and get them better at that. Um, you know, obviously, we're trying to identify the best and bring in maybe some understanding of how to play the game, and we think. You know, there's a lot of projecting in what we do. We're, we're recruiting 15, 16, 17-year-olds, and, you know, we all want them to be all Americans and play in the NBA, but that's just not usually how it goes. But you are looking for guys that have an understanding that if we put them in the system that Coach Woodson is trying to deliver on both sides of the ball, we feel like they could pick it up. We feel like they're smart enough, IQ enough, that they'll be able to get it. And the other thing is like playing multiple positions. Um, when you talk about playing multiple positions, you got to be able to think. And whether it's on the offensive side of the ball, because a three is different than a four, four, you know, everyone kind of says, oh, the three, the four, they're very interchangeable. Like, not really, because mm -hmm. you're, you're doing all different types of movements and, and plays. But to, to make it simple, Ward, we want them to have some, and then it's our job to make them better. Like, well, I want to to kind of drill in on that. I want to use an example, and this is not to denigrate anyone's past experience, but just people have different experiences. For example, you guys recently have done really well with kids from Mount Verde, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Jalen Huchifino and Malik Renew came. You're in on some 24s. We can't talk about them specifically. Um, but clearly, that is when you come from a place like Mount Verde and you play two years there, I mean, you are getting the best resources that are available in high school basketball, some of the best coaching, you're playing against the best competition. Those kids have an advantage, I would think, when they come into college. I also think that when you're living at a prep school and away from home, that mm -hmm. you kind of start to learn that as well, which helps. But then 
And then there's kids like Gabe Cups who come from, you know, a legendary father who is also a legendary coach who just knows how to play the game. But then there's somebody like Caleb Banks, Caleb with great physical tools who didn't play for a big time prep school, who didn't play for the best AAU program, who who wasn't exposed to the same resources and advantages. Yet he was somebody that I know Yasir was in on early and got him to come. But he's somebody that obviously the whole staff felt was good for the what you're building at Indiana. What did you see in Caleb and what did you see like in Caleb when he came in that made you think we can get him to the level we need him to be? Yeah, I think it starts obviously with his physical ability. I mean, he is your prototype NBA wing. I mean, he's legit 6'8". Cliff Marshall has done a phenomenal job getting his body ready. I think he's up to about 218 pounds. And, you know, the one thing that really caught, you know, Yaz eye uh, and Coach Woodson was his scoring ability. Mm-hmm. It's just being able to put the ball in the hole. And, you know, maybe he was at a little bit of a disadvantage, um, you know, understanding the game just because of, you know, where he comes from and whatnot. But, you know, that's no knock in the high school coach. It's just, it's different. It's a different right. setting than Gabe Cups or Mount Verde. But, um, you know, why we feel so good about Caleb is just because, number one, he's a great kid and he's worked his ass off since the moment he got here, he stuck with us. He's loyal. It would have been easy for him to say, Hey man, I didn't plan out of here. And he didn't. Totally. And his parents have trust in us and we've built the relationship with the kid and like, what an opportunity for him coming up. Like, this is why you stayed. Like you're going to have an opportunity to help us and help us big. And we believe in him. Um, But again, you can skin a cat multiple different ways. He, he came from that. But again, it's it's the it's the projection of what Coach Woodson and Yah saw in the recruiting process of who he was, both as a player and a young guy, and what he could potentially be. Um, so I'm I'm excited for for him and you know CJ and some of our younger guys to the guys that stayed loyal to us and and you know decided to stay. Like this is why you stayed. Next year is going to have an opportunity, and it's going to be up to you to to go out and take it. All right, Walsh, I want to drill down on that. But first, I have a quick question for Eric. Eric, you mentioned that Gabe Cup's father was a legendary coach and a legendary father. What What is it about him being a father that's so legendary? Listen, Ward, I don't want to get into it. Um, <laughs> there's some private things there that uh-huh. just wouldn't be appropriate for this podcast. Oh, Fair. also, Fair. also, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Uh, okay, hey. coach. Oh, yes. No, he's, he's, hey, I'm not gonna, Eric has it right. He's a hell of a dude and a hell of a coach. So I'm Boom. Gonna, I'm gonna give that one to him. And that's what I meant when I said it. It definitely wasn't a mistake of just talking too much. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so uh, we would love to get your assessment on, on some of these guys and what you've been seeing development wise over the summer. Yep. And we all know. Gabe was your guy. You were the lead recruiter on that. Uh, you've known him for a long time. You both have the Ohio background. Um, and reports have been really positive so far about Gabe on and off the court. What what have you seen from him in his short time in Bloomington? Yeah, I mean, he's a special young kid, man. Um, he loves the game, and he does not cheat the game. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I don't know if he told you this, because I didn't get a chance to listen to the whole entire podcast with him but you know he came in every morning so tell you breakfast a little club. Gabe. 
no matter what, no matter what, if, if there's something at 6 a.m. that he has to be at, he is working out before to start his day. Wow. If he has to catch a flight at 4.30 in the morning, he will work out before the flight at 4.30. So, and he's done that for 10 years straight. Wow. And that's why he is where he is. And that's the type of guy that, you know, that you're going to be able to count on, you know, in the foxhole when you need something to get done. It's late in the game, you know, time score situation. Like the dude, he's going to make the right play. He's going to get the guys together. He's going to huddle them up. He's going to get them in their spots. Um, I think that, you know, everyone's going to love him. At the end of the day, you know, he he's going to be getting mentored by what I think is one of the best point guards in the country and in the Big Ten, and that's Xavier Johnson. And what a guy to learn from, um, you know, this summer and moving into the beginning of his career. An older guy that is very, very good. And, you know, Gabe is just – he's been great. I think he's a great teammate. The guys respect him because he, he plays so hard. He maxes out everything that he has. And, again, like he wouldn't be here if it was for his physical abilities. Um, he knows how to play. He's smart. He's super edgy and tough. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about him. I think he'll help us here uh, this year and moving forward. And I'm excited just for, you know, all of Hoosier Nation to kind of get to know him a little bit better. I, I want to ask more about Gabe because I think it's insightful on on recruiting as well. But I do want to ask about Xavier Johnson being like taking him under his wing. I think it's fair to say that while they play the same position, they're very different players. Yeah. You know, Xavier is blessed with amazing quickness and quick twitch and, you know, strength and size. Um, and obviously has worked his ass off as well to get to where he is, but they're just different kinds of players. I think Xavier probably relies more on his explosiveness and speed and Gabe relies on angles and probably more of a pass first guy. Xavier's right. more of a drive guy. But I guess my, my question is, do you think that's even more helpful that Gabe is getting taken under a wing of a guy who plays the position but plays it very differently than him as opposed to, you know, a guy who plays the game like Gabe? Because, well, Gabe kind of already knows that world. It, is it kind of a blessing that they're very different players? Yeah, I mean, that's what Woody, that's what Woody said. Oh. I mean, the chance for Gabe to guard X every day is going to speed him up defensively because like everything that you said, Xavier is powerful. He is super, super fast with the ball. Yeah. Um, he plays different than Gabe and that's forcing Gabe to guard him. And at the same time, X is guarding Gabe where he's doing little dink and dunks and, you know, doing different things that, I mean, it couldn't be a better situation. I would say more so for Gabe learning yeah, sure. X. And at the end of the day, like, look, X, it's your sixth year. We just talked to him about it the other day. You have a responsibility now to be the leader and to lead and to show these guys what, what it is. You understand the offense. You understand the defense. You know how hard the league is. You know we're going to play anywhere, anytime with Coach. So, like, the fact that those two guys are mirroring each other every day, that's great. But before before we move off Gabe real quick, Ward, if I could just follow up on Gabe, because I, I want to I will I will allow it. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. Um, as Ward said, you were the lead recruiter on Gabe. You really worked your ass off to bring Gabe in. We cannot, because of NCAA rules, talk about people you are recruiting. 
but we can talk about people that you recruited in the past. And I was hoping you could just give us kind of a synopsis of how did that recruitment go? How did you start on that recruitment? How did you find Gabe? What what was it about him that made it so that you were laser focused that this is the point guard I'm going after? And then kind of what were the big kind of steps that you took to get in so good with him and his family? Well, that's a that's a long relationship. I know I know you talked to Kenyon Yan. I mean, that's what you hang your hat on in this business, and that's what I'm working extremely diligently on is building as many as I can, um, you know, authentically. But you know, Gabe was in the backyard at Dayton, and I ran team camp there for three years. And his dad was the head coach at Centerville. Always had a good team. Always had good players because they won. Mm-hmm. And so I saw him when he was t- like like tiny, tiny, like really, really small, but he was always in the gym. He was always working and he would always win. Hmm. Like no matter his grade, he would find a way to win. Um, and then as he got older, you know, we came from Dayton, obviously to Indiana with, with coach Miller, kept the relationship alive. He had a little bit of a growth spurt. And we invited him back to team camp. This is then under the previous staff. Yeah. He continued to get better and better and better and better. And going into his junior year, Woody comes in. And, you know, I was, you know, thank God I was able to stay on. And these were kind of a a list of guys, you know, here. These are a list of guys that I believe are good enough. You know, it's, it's, now the ball is in your court, you know, take a look at him. If you want him, great. If not, I, I understand how the business works. I'll try to bring you another good player. If you like him, cool. If you don't, move on to the next. So I was talking to y'all. I was like, yeah, like, this little dude can play. And he's like, man, get out of here. He's going to go down to Georgia and get his ass busted. And I was like, all right. I was like, you can think that, but okay, just, just take a look at him. Just let me know what you think. And – they went down there and they played Bruce Thornton, who's the point guard at Ohio State. And, Strong. Uh, yeah, yeah. Another another highly ranked recruit, whatever. It's, you know, first game, halftime, boom, phone rings. And it's like, coach and yeah. And they're like, oh, this, this kid can play. I'm just like, yeah, no. Like, so that's kind of how it got started. And then they watched them more. And the more they watched them, the more they liked them. Um and this was just to be clear, you were not an assistant coach yet, right? You were you were still in your staff position. This was Woody's first year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So like <clears throat> I would always try to work as if I was an assistant coach because that was my dream to be one. Sure. And so I was doing all the underclass recruiting and figuring out who the best was in the Midwest and then trying to build the relationship up well enough where I could literally just silver platter it to an assistant. And if they like them, good. If not, then I'm cool, whatever. And they liked them. And I just was able to just to kind of keep going, keep going, keep going and got Yah on board and, um, you know, coach Sam and loved them. And next thing we knew, he, he committed really early, which was which was awesome. Um, and I think, you know, when he was making the decision, he wanted to do something that was kind of against the grain. That's what he always said, like, ah, the easy thing is to go to Ohio State and stay home. And, you know, they're already pretty good. Like you guys are just starting. We believe in your vision you know, I want to go kind of against the grain. And I was like, well, if you want to go against the grain, like this is where you need to be. And then a week later, then they came down here and surprised me. And that was that. Awesome. 
yeah. but it was it was it was years in the making and kind of just stuck with it just because I believed in them so much. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to have the head coach believe in a kid. And that's what, you know, what he did. And, and the rest is history. Now he's here and hopefully he can help us win a lot of games. I do have to tell a quick, funny story about the Gabe recruitment because it just so happened that we were on campus in for one of his visits. And I think you were showing the family around and I was actually talking to Woody, I think about fan fest and like a fantasy camp weekend. And you came in with his parents and, and Gabe, and I was sitting in Woody's office and Woody was at his desk. And I, I felt very uncomfortable to be in the room while that was (laughs) going on. And then a conversation started happening and Woody said to him, well, I won't do an Woody impression, but he basically was like, listen, man, I'm going to lock you in my bathroom and not let you go until you're a freshman <laughs> at Indiana. Yeah. And, and I was like, I kind of looked at the parents and I was like, is that how this all goes down? Is that? <laughs> and then, and then I walk away and then it wasn't too long after that, that he, he committed um, not because he was locked in Woody's bathroom, but it was cool to see how badly Woody wanted him. And I remember asking Woody about it. And I think what he said was exactly what you said he just wins. He just wins. He knows how to play and win. So we're all pretty excited to have Gabe on board. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for him and, uh, you know, hopefully he can help us. Right. That's that's what he's brought to be here. And I think he'll be great for culture. And, you know, when you walk in the morning, the last thing I'll say about him, when you walk in the morning and he's there before you, right. For another, for another player, makes you feel a little different like oh he's he's in the gym i might want to get in there and i think that you know will hopefully pull more guys in and you know we've worked tremendously hard on getting the culture set so um he'll be a great addition to that to talk about um really a couple other positions and the players there and maybe even going against each other in practice I think we can see over your right shoulder there, Gallo, who we've been hearing great things about this offseason and his continued progression. Um, and then, you know, you could say who's who's waiting in the wings um, to come in there um, to go against him in practice to take a step is C.J. Gunn. So could you maybe talk about what you've seen from those two guys who, who who were all out here in Hoosier Nation thinking those are those are our twos, those are our mm-hmm. shooters, um, and what can we expect from them going into the fall? Yeah, well, first, before I break them up, like those those two guys have they've worked their ass off. They've done everything that we've asked them to do. And just to back it up a little bit, this is Galloway's really his first offseason where he's been completely healthy. Mm, uh, he had the groin thing. He had the wrist thing. He had he always had something that robbed him of his eight weeks of summer. And he's he's probably maybe had the best summer on the team and he's earned it because he's he's worked at it every day um so i'm excited for for gallo obviously to be an older guy to lead and to honestly like there's been a lot of national media kind of you know think just okay of him so like we're trying to use that as fuel to gas him up like you have a lot to prove this is an opportunity for you and the same thing with cj um again we're thankful that he he decided to stick with us because we believe in him and he's got all the talent in the world. You know, the one, the, the couple of things that we talk about with CJ is just how disciplined can you be? 
because that will help you. You have the talent, you have the ability, but how consistent and disciplined are you going to be to make the next jump? Because we need you to make the jump. That's why you're here. Um, you know, so just getting him to understand, I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself to score, right? Listen, you don't have to score 15 to be successful here for us. We need you to be solid on defense. We need you to make open shots. Uh, you know, he's so athletic and long. He's really good on defense. And, um, you know, we can always dial him back uh, offensively because he, he plays with so much confidence. It's just a natural part of his game. And I think, uh, you know, this new rule, uh, July 1st, with additional coaches on the floor, when we're out, you know, all across the country trying to figure this recruiting deal out, I mean, we got Jordan Halls and Calvert Chaney back here, in addition to the rest of our staff, hands-on with these guys. Um, and, man, it's such an advantage for us because those guys have done it at the highest level, and they're the highest-level people. Um, you know, so that is hopefully, you know, as this thing continues to go, will really pay dividends for our guys. Uh, let's hit another pair of players, newcomers. Uh, we already talked about Gabe, so we don't need to spend more time on him. But a transfer newcomer and a freshman newcomer, Mackenzie Mbako, five-star freshman, which was a recruiting coup, I would say, for how it happened and how quickly it happened uh, and the circumstances by which it happened. And, of course, Khalil Ware, who we affectionately refer to as Groot from uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy because he looks <laughs> like – he is an eight foot tall, like Sequoia. I mean, he's just so <laughs> tall. I mean, I don't know if you've seen, I'm sure you have these clips that have gone out from the Nike skills camp where yeah, like express. And, yeah. Those yeah. I mean, when he, it looks like he's playing on a nine foot rim. I mean, he just, he's effortless in how he moves and jumps and his head is above the rim. I mean, it just looks insane, but anyway, so talk to us a little bit about what you've seen two newcomers that come at it from very different situations. One transferring in after a season that, that he talked to us about that was disappointing for him. Obviously he wanted it to work at Oregon. It didn't. And then McKenzie who thought it was his, his college career was set going to Duke and mm -hmm. then things changed and he arrives at Indiana. What are you seeing from those two? Yeah, th those guys, man, great kids. Awesome. Awesome kids. Um, and I'll start with with Kalel. Like you said, you know, I transferred, just didn't, you know, didn't work. Um, and that's, you know, no knock on the previous staff. But hey, you know, we're we're very fortunate to have him. We feel um that he is the most talented big maybe in the country with his ability, his athleticism, his length, his speed, all that he can do, kind of what you're seeing um online. But he listen, he he's gotta have a chip on his shoulder because people were throwing arrows at him as well. Big time. And I think that there's no better coach in the country for him than Coach Woodson because he's been able in his short time here to pull things out of players that they didn't know was there. And if Khalil was able to do that and, you know, silence what these people were saying about his motor and this and that, there's your next first-round draft pick out of Indiana because he's that talented. Um, so I'm excited for him, man. We love that kid. We're, we're spending a, a lot of time with him. And at the end of the day, we want to give that kid extreme confidence, um, you know, cause he's going to have larger rope here than he did at Oregon and we're going to count on him. So there's additional pressure, but with that, I mean, what, what guy doesn't want a little pressure you're playing in Indiana. This is as good as it gets my man. So, um, excited for him. And then Mbako, just a 
very, very good looking freshman. Uh, 6A can really, really shoot the ball. Um, another gym rat, you know, we almost got to dial him back a little bit as well. Wow. Um, you know, just because it's a, it's a long year, it's a long summer and, and early fall and you want to stay as fresh as possible, but his ability, he's a shot maker. Um, you know, he can catch and shoot. He can shoot over smaller guards. Uh, I think the first couple of weeks, I think he would agree. He was kind of adjusting to the speed of the game and that's for, that's every freshman. Um, trying to figure out the physicality and how to score and whatnot. And then come week four, five, six, he settled in. His body was less sore from being with Cliff and, you know, he was making some shots. So we have high hopes for both of them. Um, love them both as as kids first, then basketball players. But they're going to have an opportunity to really help us because it's going to look different this year. And uh, those guys will have a chance to 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 do really well. All right, I think it's time to talk about Malik. We all saw lots of great things from Malik last year, but when you have Trace and Race out there, um, you know, there's not a lot of pressure. You don't have to do too much, but I think we're all looking at Malik to have a really, really productive year for us. What have you seen from him, just the growth from, from his freshman year through the summer and what you and we should be looking uh, for him to do as as a sophomore yeah I think you, you nailed it on the head the, the word growth like we need you to come on man um, you know there there's that's another guy that we're gonna you know be putting some weight on him and man is he talented um, give him a lot of credit he stayed he's here like he's doing voluntary workouts every day awesome. and he could have very easily went home and relaxed and took the you know his foot off the gas but He's he's had growth because last year he wasn't even thinking about staying. Like I'm, I need my time at home. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. But he has stayed here. I think he's really settling in. I think he loves being at Indiana. Um, you gotta understand these guys get treated so well. And now with this, you know, whole NIL thing, like we're in a great position there. Um, you know, so he's comfortable. He has what he needs, and he's spending a lot of time in the facility with Cliff voluntarily you know all across the board but I'm proud of him for staying because he could have very easily got out of here and then it's easy to just fall out of shape then you kind of start back over in the fall but I think he understands like he hears what's what's being said about the team and and him um so again hopefully he can he can be good really good for us uh, as we go into the fall uh because we're going to need him to be and two other players I want to get your thoughts on. One who came in really late in the process of the summer, uh, but who we kind of fell in love with when we talked to him on the podcast, Anthony Walker, transfer from Miami, because we just loved his personality and and just such a good kid. Yeah. Um, and even though we never met his mom, uh, him talking about his mom, we love her. Uh, <laughs> and then a guy who is built like a sub-zero refrigerator. Um Ooh. Peyton Sparks. Big P. Big, Big P. Is that the Big, nickname for him? Big P. That's Big, that's Big P, man. Yeah. Uh, so give us give us what you think on both those guys. Let's see here. Let's go with we'll, we'll start with Peyton. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think Cliff told me this. And I, I don't I don't even know if I should tell you this, but I'm gonna say it anyways. But right. I guess, you know, we do the bod pod and body fat and whatnot. And he was over there in the north end zone doing all that stuff. And I want to say, like, he has it's a technical term with like muscle density and fibers and stuff. But I think like on campus, 
he has like the best muscle fibers, regardless of sport on the entire campus. Wow. Uh, like more than so he, he's a, he, he's, he's, he's a big boy, um, but <laughs> great kid as humble as they come. Um, we're actually trying to get him to be more aggressive. Like, dude, you averaged double figures two years in a row as freshman, sophomore, ball. like don't defer, mm-hmm. you know, like you can score. That's your gift. You can pass. Um, so I think he was kind of feeling the summer out, getting a feel for the teammates. But, uh, man, he's he's going to play hard as hell. He's going to rim run. He's going to set monster screens. He's going to do exactly what he's asked to do. And uh, I think I think the fans are going to love how he plays. Uh, and, again, man, he for as big as he is, he's one of the most soft-spoken guys I've ever been around. And just uh, it was a joy. I mean, you know, quick recruitment with him. I think he wanted to be here, which obviously helps, but uh, he should help. And then Anthony Walker. Real real quick though, B. Walsh, before you move on to Anthony, what does it say about Peyton that he was, you know, an all conference player granted at a smaller conference, but he was Mm -hmm. playing for former Hoosier, Michael Lewis down at ball state and getting the ball every time he wanted it, getting his shots, playing 30 minutes a game and willingly and not even willingly aggressively wanted to come to Indiana didn't want to go somewhere else wanted to come to Indiana with no promise of starting and probably he knows that his minutes are going to go way down he's not going to get as many shots but he wanted to be at Indiana and he wants to be on that stage what does it just say about the kids you know moral makeup that he's willing to do that uh to be at Indiana it's a special place, man. You know better than I do. I mean, I'm in this seven years, I, I don't ever want to leave this place. I love this place. I've come in as a as a young, you know, guy that was single. I basically started my life here. Love the town. I mean, it's a to be a basketball player at Indiana. Come on, man. It is. It, it it does not get any better between the school, the stage, the jersey, NIL academics. I mean, I'm telling you, it is. It is the best especially with what Woody's doing right now, the best. Um, so there's no, I mean, it's not a surprise. He's from the state. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously you got to give uh, Coach Lewis and those guys a, a great deal of credit for, he's a really good player and he was developed there. You know, Coach Lewis has done it at the highest level for a long time. And, um, you know, you you hate to do it of a, of a friend in the business, but like, you know, Peyton wanted to explore other waters and, um, you know, we're, we're super happy to have them. But again, like being from in the state, no offense to these other programs, like this is the, this is the place you need to be if you want to be in the big time. Um, So again, if, if I'm in the same shoes and I get a crack to come down here, I mean, I, I, I take a, I have to take a serious, serious hard look at it. All right, so sorry I interrupted you before you were going on to Anthony, who I think is the biggest mystery for for the fan base because he just wasn't there for most of the summer. Yeah. So what did, what did you see in him for the time that you did have him? Well, he's got a huge personality, like huge, which I which I love. Like it's part of the reason we brought him in, right? Because he's an older guy. We needed some veteranship. Um, he's wanted a really really high level, and. Um, you know, we just think he's a, a really good piece to the puzzle for us. And he came in a little bit late, but he's, again, this is all voluntary. He's been working out and I had a chance to 
you know, just see him run. I mean, holy shit, he can <laughs> run. And he he knows, you know, he's he's gonna know his role. He's gonna do it really, really well. Uh, he, he comes here with a ton of confidence, um, knows what it takes to win. And he's a smart player. Yeah. You know, obviously at Miami, like by the numbers, it looks like, you know, things went different ways. He had a transfer coming on top of him, which is hard. Um, but he never once, you know, spoke negatively about his experience down there. Any of the coaches, he just, you know, wanted something a little bit different. And uh, in the very, very short time that he's been with us, can't speak highly enough about him. Um, and I think he's going to give us a different flavor as far as lineups concerned. Like Miami wasn't the biggest team in the world, but boy, were they athletic. They were able to switch. They, they rebounded. They played fast. Um, he's going to be a nice piece to have Coach Woodson kind of move him around and do different things. Love that. I envision this team on the court, which we'll get to see at FanFest. And I just think this is going to look like uh, no Indiana team in recent memory or in distant memory. Like to, to, the, the size, the athleticism, the length, all that stuff. My question to you is whether it be going up against the North Carolinas, the Arizonas, the Kansases, or even up against other Big Ten competition, when this team rolls out on the court, how do you how do you expect us to um to be this year and obviously losing trace is a really big deal and mm. race and and jalen so we've got a very different look team but you guys having beaten some of those teams yes but i think it was clear to to a lot of people that with the, the arizonas and uh the kansases of the world it's like oh or even the Northwesterns and the Iowas and the Penn States of the world, like identifying these teams that gave us fits last year. How do you think this team looks and plays different compared to the team last year, which was a step forward, but obviously we all want to go another step this year. Yeah. I think obviously it'll look different, right? We're not going to have a guy to throw it back to the basket 25 times with trace who, Damn, he was a walking double-double, right? So yeah. what a luxury to have. But I think, you know, this might be a little bit more comfortable for Coach with offensively what he wants to do. Now, what's that look like? You know, even some of us are not sure yet just because we haven't had the amount of practice time to really implement exactly what it will look like. It, it will look different. Um, and again, like, there's going to be guys that – that's the beauty about college basketball is – there's going to be a couple of new guys this year, right. That are going to come up and, and play really well and, and really help us. But um, I think how the team is kind of constructed this year is more comfortable, maybe a little bit with Woody. And, you know, that's our job is to serve him and give him exactly what he wants and looks, looks for. Um, but as far as what that'll look like, I imagine that it'll be, you know, spacing a little bit more open, more pick and rolls, more threes, things of that nature, just because we won't be playing so much in the paint. Like Khalil and Peyton and Malik will get their touches back to the basket, but I would imagine that it'll be a little bit more spacing on the perimeter and, and some different things playing maybe a little bit faster, uh, things along that line. So uh, it'll be exciting because like you said, it, it will look different um, with some guys departing, but again, you know, we feel good with our talent level and, 
and uh, who we have on the roster to compete at the highest level. Well, and on the defensive end, because I think particularly those Big Ten teams I mentioned that were smaller and faster and just like we couldn't quite cover them, I'd imagine the defensive principles and 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 the ideas of what we want to do on that end stay the same Mm -hmm. but when you have bigger longer faster guys it should be more effective even against what we might perceive as mismatches yeah no doubt i mean coach woodson's defensive package i mean i'm taking it with me for the rest of my life um it is that good uh first year led the big 10 in in defense you know as, as the first year here last year i think we were in the top three field goal percentage defense um so his his package is his package. And I think we spend uh, a lot of time on that, which makes it so good. And like you said, you're going to have bigger kind of pieces in those spots that we're hoping for more deflections, more, you know, on ball screens, passing shoulder. Now he's got to throw it over a 6'6 guy versus maybe a 6'2 guy. Um, you know, but, but at the same time, there's a lot of understanding of, rotations and principles and you know this guy gets beat I got this you cover me backside Um, those are some of the things that if we can get those guys caught up and sped up with their physical abilities then like you're saying it should be ramped up but you know you got to give Miller Cop a ton of credit like is he the most fleet of foot guy out there no but that dude knew knew our defense like the back of his hand and he was a communicator he got guys in spots. Um, that's really important. So again, the the freshmen going to sophomores, those guys know the system, know their spots, know the rotations. Another year of it um, that are a little bit more uh, rangy and athletic will hopefully be good for us. All right, let's get uh, your take on some big moments from last season. We haven't had a chance to talk to you since last season. Obviously, the biggest moment, I would think, as as a coach on the staff last year was when your colleague, Yasir Roseman, got to take over and be the head coach for one game. And while we won that game, and there's we barely won it, and we it was tough, but we don't need to get into all that. The, the, the big thing to get your take on is when did you find out that after the game, Yasir Rosemond on national television told the world oh, yeah, that he good. would kiss someone's ass <laughs> if there it were is, 30 it, players better than Trace? He's right on that, first off. But all you, right. can't, you can't say that. But, <laughs> but when he, did you – how quickly did you find out? Did he come into the locker room and say, yes, uh-oh, yes, I just yes, really yes, messed up? Yes. Before we went to the team, he said, he said fellas, I – I probably said something I shouldn't have said. And we were like, we were like, what'd you say? And then he then he told us we all started dying laughing. We went right into the team and we started partying. It was so much fun. No, but, did you uh, when did you see the clip for the first time? Do you remember seeing the clip? Um, I saw it as soon as I showered up after the game, got on my phone. I had like 50 people send it to me. It was like, yo, your boy's crazy. I was like, I love it. I love it. Yeah, we we knew right, we knew right away. He came in the locker room and was like, Fellas, I thought that's not my shit. And then <laughs> coach called him and was like, Yeah, you can't be saying that on national television. <laughs> he was like, Sorry, coach. Sorry, coach. So I, was, funny. I was emotional. It's funny because when you're watching, I remember watching it live and you realized watching it before he said it, you're like, Oh no, 
he doesn't know how to land this plane. Like Ooh. he took off, he took <laughs> off and he did not know the punchline. And then he just came up with that. And it was like, Oh no, this is going to stay with him for a long time. Oh man. That's classic. I, I absolutely love you man. He's, he's been so good to me, uh, you know, since he first got here and in this business, man, it's so easy to, you know, to have, you know, just different, different views and whatnot. And he's, He's a really, really, really good guy. Um, obviously, high level at what he does, but he he kind of took me under his wing. I was his uh, scouting partner his first year, and we really clicked then. Um, and ever since, he's he's been awesome. But he's funny as hell. Yes, like, he is. Like he is the guy that you know a lot of our guys gravitate to, uh, just because he he he'll say some things that are just nuts that are so <laughs> funny. <laughs> uh that you can't really like duplicate or replicate um so man he, that was that was a funny moment that was great that was definitely a highlight that was definitely a highlight for sure okay um you know i think everybody does like to jump to the north carolina game because of how jacked assembly hall was but let's first go to the xavier game a place you know very well yeah <clears throat> and just kind of going and, into and a, a family he knows very well <clears throat> yeah, yeah yeah exactly right um so as far as sort of tone setting for not not just last season and that team but in terms of the 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 way indiana university wants to be able to go into a hostile environment against a top division one team against a mm -hmm. top division one coach and come out with a victory what what was that like for you and setting up what the season would become yeah, I think there was obviously a little more want just because of my experiences uh, having been there and whatnot. And that's no ill will towards towards Sean. It's just, you know, it didn't work out for me. And, you know, little scar from life learned a ton. But, um, you know, that one was a little extra sweet for me. But it, but as far as the team is concerned, like that was Xavier. I mean, Sweet 16, that, that was a damn good team. Mm -hmm. And we went in there and we're down, we were up, we were down, we were up. I think that really let our guys know that like, ooh, like we can go anywhere and play anyone and compete at the highest level. And that's what it should be at Indiana. Um, I know that's what you guys expect and what our fans expect, but that was uh, a hell of a win. Like you said, in a hostile environment. Um, and boy, am I happy we got that dub leaving that, 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 that arena. I, I have to ask you, though, uh, Sean, who, let's say, is more outspoken than his brother mm -hmm. publicly, has taken some shots at Indiana. And I get it. He it's his brother. So yeah. he didn't like how his brother, how that all ended. But whatever. It's a big boy game and you either win or, you know, you're going to find a different job. Right. But he's taken some shots at Indiana publicly when he was doing that podcast with Goodman and Archie, took some shots. Was any of that bulletin board material? It wasn't. It really no. was. No, it wasn't. Um, you know, coach doesn't allow things that don't involve him uh, to be really much motivational art clipping, you know, like you would call it. Right. Uh, we were more concerned with the game itself than anything. You know, we knew they had a huge front line, huge. Knew they had talented guards, a wing, a pro on the wing. Um, and, and we knew it was going to be a really, really hard game. So we paid no attention to any of that. I actually didn't even hear it, to be honest with you. Um, so no, that, that wasn't anything uh, going into that game. It was more just 
ultimate focus on finding a way to get out of there with a win. How much do you look back at, I'm glad Ward brought up both these games, because the truth is the only two big games that we played last year with our team were Xavier on the road and North Carolina at home, because then we suffered injuries to, I mean, you know, we, we didn't have Xavier after Kansas Jalen yeah. got hurt after the North Carolina game and had a bad back and, you know, was out for some stuff race got injured early in the big 10 season, but those two games road game against an ultimate sweet 16 team and a home game against who at the time was ranked number one in the country that showed what we were. How hard was it just mentally to keep everybody together when those injuries, especially the one to X came in? Yeah, that was a, that was a devastating blow. Uh, There's no, no ifs and ands and buts about it. Like your starting point guard, senior point guard, dynamic pit bull goes down and again this is this is coach woodson man no one flinched he gives the team so much confidence and you know he, he pitched it as an opportunity next man up and you know obviously Jalen thrived an opportunity at gallo had a tremendous year some other guys really really stepped up but i remember after kansas in the locker room when the training staff and the medical team came in and told us like what a knife to the heart that was because we were just coming off of, you know, a great non-conference schedule feeling like we could, you know, really make a run at the whole thing. Um, And that kind of took the, took the wind out of us, but then man, you got to regroup that sports coach always said injuries are part of the game. So it gave, it gave Jalen a heck of an opportunity and man, look what he did with that. Um, which is funny because if that does it's funny how things happen and we talk so much to you know we've talked to guys from the 75 team you know all the way back to 75 when there was a huge injury to scott may that prevented the championship we've talked to alan henderson who blew out his knee and that that team is probably a national championship team woody's injury in 1980 probably prevents that team from being a true national title contender but um the way that this all happened is X going down, no doubt hurt the team, but it gave Jalen an opportunity to showcase himself, which definitely got him into the first round as a draft pick, which ultimately helps you in recruiting some of those top players that will help you in the future. It is true that like in turmoil, there's also opportunity. Yeah. And, and that one didn't lead to instant uh, success, but could very well down the road. Yeah, no, I mean, how good has Jalen been? for us, like on the recruiting trail, like, well, you tell us, I mean, how, how important is, I mean, it? he's been, he's been great. I mean, you like when that kid gets a mic in front of him, it's like, thank you. <laughs> thank you for saying all those things. Like, and he does it on his own. I think it's because again, I go back to this place being special coupled with who our head coaches and how he treats the players and how they have so much confidence and how they get treated in the community and what all comes to them while they're here. But yeah, I mean, Jalen doing what he did. You know, y'all kept saying, like, man, we got to get these guys draft. We got to get draft picks. We got to get draft picks. We got to get draft picks. If we want to recruit how a coach wants to recruit, we need these guys to be good. And, man, Jalen took off. And then Trace, you know, ended up falling in the draft. But it ended up working out fantastic for him and his career and his pick and his fit. Um, so I don't And some that. of that fall is artificial because – Yeah, it was designed. Right. Way. Like, you it know, was, the agent tells right. the teams. And I think it's important for fans to realize that, too, 
the agent tell, told teams that were, uh, you know, in better positions in the draft, listen, don't draft it. Like he, yeah. he doesn't yeah. really want to go there. And, and the team doesn't want to draft somebody that doesn't want to be there. So they did kind of orchestrate it once it hit a certain point to get him to that team. 100%. Like, you know that, but like you're saying, a lot of our fans don't, but right. that's how it ended up because there was teams that wanted to take him as early as 30 or, you know, 33, 37, 42. And they were just, you know, pushed to the back burner because of the situation and the setup that and ended up being the Golden State Warriors and, are you kidding me? What a better spot to like championship pedigree, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, like they're going to teach you how to work, do it the right way. Yes. And I think like, I wish he wouldn't have got hurt in summer league because he's no. the best big in college basketball. It's not even close. Like, he's, he's more athletic. He's more explosive. Like he's just better. Than Look at his two players. summer league games. He was yeah. injured with a hammy comes back for the last two games. And like, I mean, double, it's double. awesome in both double. games. Double double, double yeah. double, walking yeah. double double, automatic. So again, he he's got to obviously work at it, but with with his ability, like hopefully, praying for him that he can stick in the league for a long time because there's no reason he shouldn't. Let's circle back to post X injury and race. We'll throw that in there too. Um, we all felt like the wheels were totally coming off the season, like coming out of the prior to X's injury. Like you said, we're all like, Oh man, this is going to be a final four team. This is awesome. And then fast forward, not that far forward. And we're all like, Oh, Oh my God, we're going to miss the tournament again. Nothing's working. It's broken. Oh, Indiana's cursed. (laughs) How, how do you, when the noise is so loud around IU good or bad. And in this case, bad, of uh, the sky is falling. What did you guys do internally to stop the bleeding, to turn it around and turn it into what ultimately was a season that was another step forward to where we all want to go? Yeah. Well, you guys know this as well as I do. At least I've learned this in my seven years. Like there's going to be shit storms every year. And at this place, it feels like the world is crumbling yeah. when in reality it's not. And who knows that better coach? Jordan, Calvert, Whitman. Like, those are four guys that have done things at the highest level here that were just like, man, come on. Like, no big deal. Like, let's just keep getting better, keep getting better, keep getting better, get back to what we do. Um, And, again, it's the leadership from Coach and how he addresses the team and the confidence that he gets them that gets these guys to, like, okay, deep breath, calm down. Like, you know, it's not – the end of the world we just dropped the game yes we'd like to go 34 38 no the fans went 38 no you know hasn't been done since 76 so like <laughs> you know it's not gonna probably happen um but just kind of just keep pushing and kind of keep working and you know ended up being the four seed which hasn't been done in a long time you mentioned that you are now entering your seventh year at at iu yeah you've been there a while you're also a college basketball junkie. You know, you played college basketball. You're you're played in the Midwest. So you you have a good understanding of what Indiana is. And uh up until last year, you had suffered a lot of losses at Mackey Arena and to Purdue overall. And then last year, 
everything changes. Now, granted, the year before we broke the streak and you win one home game because thanks to Rob Finnessy's great shot at the end. But this year, you go to Mackey and you win after beating them at Indiana. How good did it feel for you personally? You've been through the lean times at Indiana. Yeah, You know what that environment is like up there and how hard it is. What was that game like and specifically Jalen's performance? Yeah, well, it was the let me think here real quick, but it was probably the best freshman performance I've ever seen in my young career. Um, I remember he made a couple plays and me and yeah and Kenya were just like, oh, shit. <laughs> and we kind of just sat back and, you know, he made shot after shot. And, you know, Trace was so great with that because he knew he had it going and he kind of just, you know, kept setting good screens and he was getting open and coach called a great game. Our guys were locked in defensively. Um you know, that I don't want to call it, I want to call it hatred, but like that rivalry is, is so hatred. electric and the people that don't know, don't know um, just what that is and what that feels like to be in it. Um, it is so unbelievable. Like when you, when they come here and you go there, like it is turned up to the max, like it's phenomenal. And that, that was, that was a special win, but like, not only did we win at Purdue, which we haven't done in a long time, we won at Michigan, we won at Illinois. Like there's a lot of things that hadn't been done in some time. You're right. That we were able to get done. Um, you know, so again, it's it's about taking a few steps forward at a time and, you know, just working hard and continuing to just try to get better. You mentioned coach calling a great game uh there in West Lafayette, the armpit of America. And uh I wonder not just necessarily that game but just in your time now as an assistant under coach woodson and seeing what he does in game can you talk mm -hmm. about a couple of things you've you've learned or picked up where you're like oh this this is how he's seeing the game and how he's adjusting the game that's something i want to take with me yeah well we spend a a weird amount of time in the conference room together uh learning talking film uh plays Listening to him make fun of people. Listen, I mean, it's 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 pure comedy. Uh, if there if there was ever like a comedy show that wanted to come in and like get rave reviews, like just put a put a camera in the top corner of our conference room and like it would be laugh out loud funny. And I'm not talking like three days a week. I'm talking every single day, and that's needed because it's so stressful, you know. And he yeah. he's able to play so cool. Like, you know, he's the head coach of the New York Knicks. Like he always reminds us of that. Like, dude, like. Fellas, I'm good. Like, we're, no big deal. Um, but, you know, he called a great game the, the year prior at Purdue. We were a three-point he, – he, yeah. he drew an unbelievable side-out-of-bounds play for Parker Stewart that didn't go our way. But, you know, we were one shot away from, from, from that win as well. But he's seen so much basketball. Like, he was in the league for 34 years. I'm 34 years old. Um, <laughs> he's seen so much ball and – his adjustments are so quick because in the NBA, you know, if they see something that's not working, they just change it. And, you know, he talks a lot about like the what ifs and I don't want to go into too much detail because I don't want any, you know, of our secrets. Uh, yeah. Not, not necessarily our secrets. I don't want to, I don't want the information get back to some other teams, but For sure. he's an unbelievable in-game adjuster because he sees the game in slow motion. That's the best way I can put it. Mm. 
Let's talk for a second about Calvert Cheney. Yeah. We just had him on the podcast. More than uh, a second. Again. Take all the time you want to talk about <laughs> Calvert Cheney. Um, Calvert's been back a couple times. You know, obviously he's been with the Pacers now for the last couple years. But I remember he was a big part of one of your Hoosier hysterias when Archie was the coach. Yeah. He came back and he was he always seemed very supportive of Archie and the staff. He's always been supportive of everybody, truthfully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's back now. Uh, what's it like? having Calbert there, have you been able to build any kind of relationship with him? I know it hasn't been that long because he was only there during the summer, but what's, uh, what's it like having Calbert Cheney back in Bloomington? I mean, it is, it is another coach person, influencer role model that has been there and done it at the highest level that I'm just literally just trying to like, a, like a sponge, just soak it all up and learn as much as possible. Um, you know, he made this place go to all time leading score. He played 13 years in the NBA and like, you would never know. He's the most real down to earth, humble guy. And he just, he just fit in so well with the staff. Can't speak highly enough about coach putting the staff together and just the right people with the right personalities to just, we mesh. I think that's why these kids leave and they're like, man, that visit is unbelievable. It's because we're all on the same page with the, with these kids. And in my past experiences, it's, it's never, never like that. Hmm. But I mean, Calvert, geez, he, he has so much knowledge of the game. He knows he, he's done it so long and he, he did it here that like when he talks, man, you know, the kids just, okay, you know, take, take it, take the advice. Um, and he's just a tremendous asset to the program he I can't speak highly enough about him uh, I'm so excited to spend more time with him and learn from him um you know he's just a super high character high level person who happens to be the one of the goats yeah and he scored more co more points than coach Woodson so you know that's <laughs> another running joke amongst all he has scored more points than anyone in the history of the Big Ten conference I mean I don't that... think it'll ever get broken because these guys are trying to get to the league as soon as the, possible. Well, the I only listened. way it could have gotten broken was because of the COVID rule. Right. That was, the, but we're, we're now on like the tail end of that and no one's really close. So I, you're right. It's never going to happen. And, no. and, and look, here's breaking news. I was going to say this in the intro with Eric and I still might, but I got really nervous all of a sudden when I realized like the big 10 is now big 20, we've got all these new teams in, wait a second, is Calbert oh. still gonna be the all time leading yeah. scorer in the big 10? So I look Calbert all time, 2,613 points. So I go over to look at who the pac 12 all time UCLA leading scorer is. Did this? Kareem, I, I did this. So Don American Pie McLean from UCLA is at the top of the list Then I look 2,608. Oh, Calvert yes. still got five it by cushion. five points. Five point cushion. But that doesn't count. No, that doesn't right? count. No, they don't no, count. But, that. but I still, I didn't want anybody like you didn't want an Purdue fan, a UCLA fan, bringing yeah, yeah, yeah. shit up. So we're right. good. We're good. I love it. All right, good listen. research, by the way, Ward. Yeah, that's shocking. Shocking, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, um, sometimes. Right, <laughs> You're super positive guy. You say nice things about your coworkers. What is the most annoying thing that Kenya Hunter does? 
there's got to be one annoying thing about him or and or not and or and yeah we need annoying things by both of them annoying things ah let's see kenya is very forgetful so okay i'll say something and be like i didn't say that and we'll be like you, you said that like on tuesday like what are you talking about or you know so that can get us in a pickle sometimes yeah yeah uh again That's nothing fun. nothing crazy he forgets his car keys every time we're on a visit he sets them down can't find them <laughs> uh, that that's with kenya with with ya annoying annoying thing with ya i mean just just trying to like keep up with you know trying to look cool and the shoes and stuff it's like come on yeah. man like i'm not spending it like you're spending it. like that's annoying like Stop, it is annoying stop, stop looking like that all the time like <laughs> you know what i mean like come on man because then that makes me want to go do things and it's like I'm even not. when he wears iu gear it's like he wears the iu gear that like i've never seen anyone else wear it's like yeah, he goes to like the nook and crannies of like the bookstores and like finds like these like vintage pieces and like yeah yes. yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah that's annoying yeah, I mean nothing, nothing in the workplace like those, like those guys said. Like, again, it's why it's so abnormal that you know, at least in my experience, is like, you know, staffs don't usually gel. Yeah, like this. So, well, grateful to be here, man. That's for sure. It's a hell of a place. Yeah, I think that's more than anything we've gotten from talking to everybody over the summer, players, coaches, um, the vibe. The vibe is just, even from season to season, I think as, as things have gotten dialed in, as the, both the staff and the players, you guys have more time to figure out what you're all about. Even one of the players said, I asked, what is the culture there? And they said, brotherhood. And, and that sounds to me like it extends beyond just the players on the court, but the whole program. And going, going into this season, we talked about this with Calbert, the expectations for this program are Big Ten championships and national championships. And that's not something coach or anybody shies away from, talks about it publicly, talks about mm -hmm. it in practice. Um, what are your expect? And, and we don't need to talk about those two things because we know that's that's what's always being worked towards and hoped for. But just just for you to see progress this season compared to last what are those benchmarks for you? What does that look like or feel like? Yeah, I think it's just being able to understand what the standard is. Like some guys come to Indiana for the wrong reasons, at least in my past experiences. Like they come here because it's a basketball school, but, you know, what does that lead to? What can that get me or whatnot? Like we're trying to get guys that want to come here and, you know, that's part of it for sure, but like we want to win. And that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Um, you know, as far as benchmarks, I mean, we want to compete at the highest level and, and be able to beat anyone that's on our, on our schedule any given night. Um, and I, I think that takes a lot of hard work and time um, and, you know, culture amongst the staff and players, getting the right staff, getting the right players. Um, you know, there's no magic wand. Like it takes time. It takes work. It takes the right players, the right pieces, but we know what the expectations are. Coach, like you said, he doesn't shy away from it. 
So it's our job to try to get the best of the best and bring them in here to give us an opportunity to compete at the highest level. And, um, you know, we could be the best coaches in the world, but at the end of the day, you have to have really good players. Um, so that's, I think that's where it starts is the recruiting and then getting them here and getting them better um, will give us a chance to, to compete against the best of the best. Be Walsh in just a couple days. Oh, go ahead. We've got Hoosier Fantasy Experience Weekend happening again. Starts with a golf tournament. We've got the Fantasy Camp. But the big event for the most number of fans is the Fan Fest. Uh, first, I will just say, how excited are you to see Ward and I play basketball again on Assembly Hall's court? I can't see the full body, but it looks like you guys are in decent shape. Is it? Does anybody want to stand up or? No. <laughs> all right ward that that's you know i don't know if i'm excited all right, i'm gonna right stand word. up i'm gonna stand up <laughs> okay you look good you look good you know i don't know if excitement is the right word for basketball sure, sure. but just having you guys around and uh you know you guys do so much for the program we're it doesn't go unnoticed you know what i mean like it, it is very important you're part of our pitch and the recruiting meetings um we're excited for you guys to show the team to the to the Hoosier Nation early, yeah. right? Um, and everything that you guys do behind the scenes, it's it's so appreciated. But I'm Can not you... excited to see you guys play. Basketball. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> that is fair. But neither do... are we. <laughs> but look, I I I, I want to just focus in on one point, and then and then we will let you go. If you've take we've taken up a lot of your time, but you know our collective the. The thrust of it is that we're trying to galvanize the entire Hoosier nation to support Hoosiers. And we have thousands and thousands and thousands of fans who have contributed in one way or another to our collective to help NIL. And the Fan Fest is the biggest way that we can say kind of thank you to everybody. And the players get to meet the fans. The fans get to meet the players. And they're supporting them. It's it's obviously yeah. all for NIL. And you talked a little bit about how – uh, that it is part of the recruiting pitch that yeah. that you make. Can you just tell fans how important it is for them to support it? Because this weekend and that fan fest, it is part of the recruiting pitch in general to yeah, two players. No, I mean for sure. I mean when we sit them down, and I don't want to get into too much details. Of sure. It, talk. I'll talk vaguely about it. But this upcoming weekend is something that we tell the incoming recruits like they can you know, do this fantasy deal and, and uh, you know, get a chance to meet all of Hoosier Nation and get a chance to play in Assembly Hall and at the same time, um, you know, start the year off with a, with a little bit of momentum um, in the NIL space. Yes. Which you know that how that correlates. And it is what it is. It's so important to what we're doing. Um, I can't overemphasize that enough. You know, obviously it's our job to identify the good players, but it helps get the good players, um, you know, and I don't know how things will change in the future, but we're in a very, very good spot uh, in that space. And again, like that is huge to what we're doing. And, and I know you guys break your back and we'll do anything for the program and uh, have worked super hard to put on this weekend and do other things for, for the program and women's and, and football and other sports. So it's not just about us, but um, man, thank you. Well, thank you. I mean, we we love it. We and and thank you to the people listening to this because they're the reason that it works. Yeah. That's the truth. I mean, we've been fortunate to just kind of be involved, but if it weren't for the fans who have put, we've said it from the beginning, time to put your money where your mouth is. 
Yeah. You know, we've been cl- we've been clamoring for top recruits and top players and being a destination and getting back to blue blood status. Well, NIL allowed fans to put their money where their mouth is, and that's what we're doing. And even when I think about it's a rec- it's recruiting, it's a crucial time for you guys, no doubt. You got a lot of these 24 guys looking to make a decision. And not just with the numbers of NIL, just the money, but correct me if I'm wrong, Hoosier Nation comes out and fills up those seats in Assembly Hall in August for a scrimmage. That's something that that might get sent around. Say that again. Say that again, Ward. Hoosiers. They fill up the stadium in when? In in August for the Fan Fest. Yeah, that's not normal. Like that's messed up in the best that's way great. possible. <laughs> Correct. If, if Correct. we show up like like we did last year and the year before, even more so, all you out there listening, that could influence a kid's decision deciding where he wants to go in the very near future. Yeah, and I mean, what else do you have to do? It's August 18th to the 20th. Like nothing's going on. There's nothing on TV. It's going to be beautiful See. weather. Come down here, yeah. take in the experience, go to a restaurant downtown, have yourself a time. There you go. There it is. Brian, we love you. Uh, really happy for you and your family. Most importantly, love that that Mac has entered the world and looking forward to, will, will Mac make an appearance this weekend, perhaps? Uh, it's tough to say. I'd like to get him out more than Jess does, but it's quite a bear. I get it. I get it. Out. That's a tough time. That is a so tough we'll, time. We'll, we'll do our best. I'm definitely going to bring uh, Isla around, though. Great. Fantastic. Well, we look forward to having Isla there. And look, man, it's been fun getting to know you from from the Archie years. We were so happy when you got promoted. You have uh, done Hoosier Nation proud with the work that you've put in. And what people don't know with that nicely coiffed hair, you would never know it. But this guy works his ass off and he actually puts more time into recruiting than he does the hair, which is hard to believe. (laughs) But you, you have done Hoosier Nation proud. And we're so happy to have you as part of the family and know that you're helping to lead this program back to where we all want it to go. So love, love your spirit and your energy and, and what you bring to the table. And, and hopefully you never have to leave Bloomington. Hey, hey, that'd be, that'd be a big blessing. Now, thank you guys. Um, Again, it's been a, been a great time here and look forward to seeing your beautiful faces here next week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll we'll try to find them and bring them yeah. with us <laughs> that was a guest that was a guest i love the guy i love his energy i love how he talked about recruiting i love the gabe cup story and how long of a process that was i just love everything about brian walsh i really do i have from the first time we met him and those feelings have only increased every time we've got to speak with him or hang out with him since. And he is second to none when I look at this staff and I look at this roster of players and I'm just like, I love these guys. I love talking to these guys. I love thinking about these guys all in Cook Hall, figuring it out together every day, laughing together, screaming at each other, sweating all over the place. Like, you know, they're working their ass off. Um, and keeping it light. And I just feel like this makeup of these human beings with their talents and their personalities and their work ethics, of course it's working. Of course it's going to continue to work and get better. I have never felt more optimistic about the program than I do right now in in the post-Coach Knight era. 
Wow. Well, let's say, let's wow. say around, uh, let's say, let's say for sure since Cody and yeah. the Vic and all that stuff, because especially then, I, but I wasn't paying attention to the recruiting and the trajectory. I was very much just in the moment of the program then, but since you've brought me into this life of just like following it in the minutia, tracking recruits three years in advance, like this just feels the best it ever has. Yeah, and I love just him talking about how everybody's on the same page. I mean, that, and that was not always the case. Exactly, exactly. You know? and, and so it makes a huge difference, and you're right. It's we get that same sense from the players, and they've got a tall task ahead of them because they are replacing a lot, but good chemistry. I loved hearing what he had to say about Anthony Walker because that's like been the big mystery, just how amazing it is to watch him run, and that's what he has to do. Look, he's probably not going to start, but he needs to come off the bench like Peyton and just go balls to the wall. And a guy like Anthony and Peyton, they're going to do that. And when you have that size and strength and veteran experience playing that hard, that bodes well coming off the bench. It, I really want this to be the year where we're so excited about our depth and then we're actually really, really yeah. super deep. <laughs> and then we actually have depth. Yeah, that would yeah. be nice. This is the year. All right, let me just say this. You heard B. Walsh talk about how important this weekend is. This Saturday night is your chance to show your support. Tickets range from $5 on up. For $5, you're supporting NIL and you get to see this team. Come to Assembly Hall August 18th. Wait, no, August 19th. Jesus, <laughs> I'm struggling. Saturday night, August 19th. Saturday night, August 19th. FanFest starts at 7.30. Doors open at 6.30 for autographs and pictures with the men and women's team. Go to HoosierFantasyExperience.com. HoosierFantasyExperience.com. Get your tickets. Show up. Show out. It's going to be a blast. Can't wait to see you all there. And remember, follow us on Twitter. We'll be posting a lot of videos and fun stuff from the weekend. No doubt. HoosierFantasyExperience.com. And follow us on Twitter at HoosierHysterics for the hysterics. No E. No I. But the sometimes why? I feel like that's like three weeks in a row we've done it correctly. Yeah, what it was. What, what, well, we did. Oh, no, maybe more because we did Woody, Brian Stack, Calbert, and yeah, now this. Walsh. So by correctly, you mean just like remembering to ask them to do it. Remembering to do it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, last week I messed up. I was thinking about Calbert doing it. We had to restart. Of course, I kept it in the edit. Um, but, but in terms of not only asking them to do it, but then us flawlessly setting it up, uh, we're really getting good at this. We're getting there. We're getting there. Give us five more years and we'll get there. <laughs> All right, Ward. I'll see you in Bloomington. I'll see you in Indianapolis, Indianapolis. and then we'll drive to Bloomington. Yep. Get those cigars ready. Evan Martin. Sorry about the car. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.